0: You can also follow Linnell on Twitter and Instagram at the handle Harris. In this recording, Linnell begins a new series on inputs and outputs. In this first part, Linnell explores how the inputs around us influence what we think and do. Let's join the conversation.
1: So a few weeks ago, I asked the following three questions and some of you all will remember this. Are your wants and desires written down? That was the first question. The second question was, do you know your life's goal so well you can repeat it from memory? Or do you know your life's goals? Maybe there's more than one. So well you can repeat them all from memory. And then the third question was, do you have your dreams and aspirations displayed on a vision board or storyboard? That you can see every day. All right. Now, keep in mind, tonight the topic is inputs, outputs. And I started off with these questions on purpose because if the answer is no to any of them, then I have to regret to inform you that you're probably not living the best life possible, number one. And you're probably living someone else's plan for your life. And so I shared this before, but I'm going to share it again because and I'm going to put the proper context around it. So tell me what comes to mind when I read the following statements, okay? And I shared it when I asked the three questions before, but I think it's important that I do it again this evening because I really want to set context for this discussion. So when I say the following phrases, what comes to mind? The first phrase is, just do it. That's the first phrase. The second phrase is, Melts in your mouth, not in your hands. What comes to mind there? Right? Now, the third phrase is great taste, less filling. That's the third phrase. And then the fourth phrase is what's in your wallet? Now, if you've been properly programmed, right, if the inputs that have been basically pushed out by American marketing giants have hit you successfully then you knew three out of four of those, okay? Because the following four brands should have come to mind. The first is Nike. The second is M&M's, the chocolate candy or the chocolate with peanuts candy. The third is Miller Lite. And then, of course, the fourth, most of us know, is Capital One. And I'm almost positive that out in Radioland, about nine out of ten of you can match at least three to four of those correctly without even blinking directly from memory, and just that quick, there's an added influence, right? There's a persuasion towards these brands. Now, if we can do that for brands that we, most of us, aren't getting any revenue from or brands that most of us don't work for, why can't we repeat our life's purpose and our personal goals the same way? That is really where I want to spend my time this evening. Why haven't we taken the time to design our own storyboards? Like how's the story of your life is going to go or what you aspire to do or have within the next six months to 12 months, 18 months. Whether we do or we don't, you will be given a storyboard every day. So I shared those four brands. And. I talked about how we know them. Storyboards are popping up all over the place in your life, all over the place. And so if you don't have your own storyboard, then where... Or how are you being influenced to live a life differently? And I'm telling you right now, if you're looking, if you're listening to the radio and you're looking at Facebook, then all you have to do is look to the right hand side of the screen and there's ads there. That's a storyboard. It's telling you how you should smell, what you should wear, you know, where you should go, what you should look like, maybe what what apps you should download to your phone. But it's a storyboard. okay? And this is what I want to get across this evening. I'm going to much more depth, but. What are you doing to counteract the storyboards that are being put all around you? Because if you don't have your own storyboard, if you're not managing your inputs, which is basically what I'm saying, then what inputs are dictating your life? Now, check this out. And I think most of us know, but I shared this when I, uh, a few weeks ago when I shared the three questions. Did you know that if you watch a 30-minute sitcom you probably also watched approximately 30, 30 second commercials, 30, 30 second commercials. And if you don't believe me, then what you do is, you know, uh, DVR sitcom and then time it. Time how fast you can watch the recorded material by fast forwarding through the commercials. And more than likely, you're going to come to about maybe 18 to 20 minutes, which means the other 12 minutes is actual programming that's designed to place inputs into your life. Inputs into your life because they know that if they hit you with this imagery over and over and over again, it will translate into an output. And the output is, oh, I'm hungry, so I'm going to go to wherever to get that burger I saw. Or I'm hungry, so I'm going to go to wherever to get that taco I saw. So that's basically what they're doing, and that's what I'm talking about tonight. So tonight's topic is inputs, outputs, and I'm asking these three questions. What are your inputs? Number two, do your inputs reflect what you desire? Number three, do your inputs reflect the type of person that you want to be? You know, this is fascinating, because I'm sitting here, and, and as I'm asking the question, Do your inputs reflect what you desire? This is one of the reasons why we have such a hard time being disciplined. Because if you're not in charge of your inputs, and what I mean by that, if you're not dictating, generating, and basically creating the impact of your own inputs, then you'll be at effect of the inputs that are given to you. So here's an example. If you're trying to diet, then... It's going to be tough to stay on that diet if you're watching football all day on Sunday because you're going to have these urges, you're going to have you're going to be seeing this food. I mean and you 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 guys who watch football out there who are listening, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So some, some of the ladies, you know, beer commercial, that's fattening. Burger commercial, that's fattening chip commercials that's fattening. So if you're trying to cut fat out your diet but you have a diet of all football, can you see how difficult that could be for somebody? Because if your inputs are this imagery of all this greasy food, then how do you get a different output? You know that and that's the question this evening. How do you get a different output? And if you want a different output, then that means that you almost have to say, all right, when these commercials come on, let me get up and go do something else. Or I'm going to put imagery in my home or in my space that will, in some ways, neutralize what I'm seeing. And unfortunately, a picture of salad doesn't always look as appetizing. But what about a picture of maybe the body that you want Um, or an old picture of a size that you used to be? That's the type of inspiration that you have to use, especially nowadays, because we're under attack by imagery which then becomes an input, as soon as the eye sees it, it becomes an input. That's the type of intention that we have to have in order to truly navigate this new situation. And so that's a little bit of what we'll be talking about tonight. Do your inputs dictate, generate, and or impact your outputs? And then what about your environment? What about your environment? Does that matter? Well, stick with me and find out. All right, I got Frank. Frank is on the line. Frank, how are you? you listening to Inspirational Perspective with Linnell Harris. What's going on?
2: Mr. Harris, how you doing today, man? I hear the weather's cold over there.
1: You know what? It is a little chilly, but it's not as cold as it could be. Uh, <laughs> so I'm good with it. How are you? Yes, what you calling I'm, doing, I'm calling from Dallas, Texas. I'm doing well, man. Uh, you, were talking about, you were talking about how commercials are shown during sitcoms. Right. And
2: right. Uh, I've noticed a lot of, uh, what's that, non accredited schools that show commercials. And I know a lot of people who, you know, that, that want to go back to work, they look at want to get into these schools knowing that they charge you all these uh,
1: mm-hmm. high prices to go to school, but yet they don't show you everything you're going to need to know as far as taking tests to get these uh, jobs. What is your opinion of that, and your perspective? And uh, thank you for taking my call, and not just call, uh, hang up and
2: listen to uh, your opinion on
1: that. Okay, all right. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you, sir. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for the call, man. You know, <laughs> my opinion or perspective is ultimately what's happening is. Think about this, right? So, an unaccredited school <laughs> is advertising to a population of individuals who probably aren't going to do. Number one, they don't understand the difference between being accredited and unaccredited, right? They're just thinking, hey, I want to get into the school because if I go to the school, then I can get a better job. If I get a better job, I can increase my income. And so the unfortunate thing is, in some ways, they're taking advantage of individuals who don't have the proper knowledge. And they understand the power of inputs. They understand it. I mean, I've said it before. I've worked for a number of Fortune 500 companies I've sat in well thought out marketing presentations and they're not, believe me, it's not a mistake that they're advertising on the channels that they're advertising. And I'll say this too, Frank, I said this before. If you want to drive a Mercedes Benz and there are no Mercedes Benz commercials on the channels you are watching, then you're probably not feeding yourself the right material. And if you're watching commercials that are cheesy, poorly done, you could tell that they have a low budget, then that tells you what the marketers think of the material that you're watching. What they're saying is, well, you're watching garbage, and so we can give you a garbage commercial. More than likely, if you're watching this channel, you're not the kind of person who aspires to drive a Mercedes-Benz. And so Mercedes, who does lots of research will basically look through the different, you know, the plethora of channels out there and say, well, you know, this channel here, you know, they can't even afford us. And so we're not going to advertise to them. Uh, We're going to advertise over here where we know people can afford us. And that's why you don't see a Mercedes Benz commercial, because you're watching programming where they say, you know, people like you won't even be able to afford this. That tells you something about that input. If that's what you're watching, you're inputting it to your brain then the marketers, the big companies out here already know that the output from that segment or that sitcom or that show that you watch will not produce someone who can drive a Mercedes-Benz. And so, you know, hopefully I answered the question, Frank, but this is really what I'm trying to get at. Like, we have to be cognizant of the messaging that's not being said or the messaging that we don't hear when we're looking at what we look at or when we're listening to what we listen to because it's having an impact and often we don't understand the impact that it's having. And we're the we're actually the recipients. We, we're the the conduit of that particular message. Like that input will have an output. And you know the big marketers understand it, the mass media understands it. Most of these corporations understand it, but for some reason, we don't. And it's one of the reasons why I, I tried to build up so much energy towards this particular segment, and I'm so passionate about this subject in particular, because the inputs that you put into your brain, that you put in front of your eye, or that you even put into your mouth, later I'm going to talk about, we, you know, are we what we eat? In a figurative sense, right? But in a literal sense, you can take it the same way. It matters. All those things matter. This is one of the reasons why I started Inspirational Mobile Messaging. And a lot of you have adopted it already. There's been a significant amount of growth, but there's so many more of you that could. And from this segment in particular, and it's free, for free. But what I've done is I basically made the investment in providing my listeners, anybody that reads the blog, anybody that's, that's like the Facebook page, the opportunity to to get inspirational quotes and updates from inspirational perspective that are inspiring because it provides an input that will drive an output. And so that's why I did it. In the way you enroll, is all you have to do is text inspired, the word inspired, I say it every time, the word inspired, I N S P I R E D to the numbers 43783. And if you do that, then you're enrolled in daily text messages. And that's one area where you can automatically begin to make intentional choices about your inputs. And it's crazy because I get wonderful feedback. You know, people, sometimes they respond to the messages. I don't get them on my phone. I get them in software. And they'll, you know, they're like, oh, this really moved me or this changed the outcome of my day. It's an input. And that's what it's designed to do. And so I'll say it one more time. All you have to do is text the word inspired to 43783, and that's inspired with a D. Inspired to 43783. And that's a wonderful way to get a brand new input. In the middle of your day, excuse me, typically at eleven AM every day, it's Central Standard Time. So if you're in a on the West Coast, it'd be 9 a.m. right when you start your day. And at lunchtime on the East Coast, you get an inspirational quote. Just something for you to think about, an input. For you to think about or to motivate you as you're going through your day. And that's one of the reasons I I created that form for you guys. Because it's an input. And inputs predict your outputs. And that's what we're talking about this evening. All right. So again, the questions that I'm asking. What are your inputs? One of them can be the inspirational perspective mobile marketing (laughs) that comes on out and sends inspirational quotes. Do your inputs reflect what you desire? And do your inputs reflect the type of person that you want to be so let's go ahead and and um, I, I talked about you are what you eat and I want to I want to start to uh, basically help us all digest that now we've all heard or read this cliche before but my question tonight is is it true Is it true that you are what you eat now in the African American community, diabetes is sometimes referred to as sugar, right? We know this. And so instead of saying, "Oh, I have diabetes," we've all heard, you know, an older loved one or friend someone say, "I have sugar." Now, I, well, I got sugar, so I can't have that. Oh, well, I got sugar, so I need to, you know, eat this peppermint. Now, my question is, is it a coincidence that having sugar Comes from overconsumption of sugar based foods? And don't think about that. Is that a coincidence? Or the same relationship is evident with overindulgence in alcohol, right? And being labeled an alcoholic. And so this leads me to believe that in a lot of ways, the cliche, you are what you eat, is true. Or that's how it usually goes. And for the most part, the word consumption is typically used to reference what we put in our mouths. But could it also include what we choose to hear and see? Would you agree that if I constantly listen to music with lyrics that degrade women, that I'm probably more likely to disrespect and degrade the woman in my life? And I'm not saying all the time. So, you know, don't call me and be like, did you just say that if I listen to something that degrades women, that I'm automatically degrade? No, I'm not saying that it happens like that all the time. But what I am saying is that if 90 percent of your diet is this type of music, then there is a much higher likelihood that if the music you're listening to is degrading towards women, that your output will probably be the same. And we could take this when we're thinking about a lot of different things, right? Right now, the NFL is going through this domestic situation. Is it because they have violent inputs, though? I mean, it's a question that we can ask. I don't know. But something to think about, right? I mean, here it is. These group of men are basically being told to be violent on a daily basis. Hit them. Hit them hard. Talking about men. But then something happens and they have a violent output and we say, oh, my, that's bad. And it is. A man should not hit a woman. But is the occurrence of this in the NFL in particular more prevalent because of the input? Again, here we have basketball. We have all these other sports, but we don't see it as prevalent in those sports. Something to think about. I'm just saying, just, you know, having us take a look. I would say that when it comes to inputs, it works the same way when we're looking to get inspired. When you need inspiration, you have a choice to make. You can choose to remain uninspired, or you can choose to consume inspirational readings, audio, videos, or interact with someone who's inspiring, right? That's why some of you listen to the show as an inspirational input. Hmm. Just something else to think about. Right. Again, I talked about inspirational perspective, mobile marketing. That's another input. And so what I'm trying to share here is that this can be a fairly simple concept. If you put disrespect in, you get disrespect out. If you put inspiration in, you get inspiration out. I mean, has this ever happened to you? You see an inspirational video, you're like, oh my goodness, that's inspiring. Let me share it with my, with my Facebook page or my Facebook friends. Inspiration in, inspiration out, right? It's not a coincidence. The same thing happens with some of the the poor humor that's in social media, right? Poor humor in, and then you hit share, poor humor out. It's a very simple concept. And so what I'm saying is, in other words, we are what we eat. And so the question then becomes, what are you eating? What are your inputs? Do your inputs reflect what you desire? Do your inputs reflect the type of person that you want to be? I mean, think about this. A sportscaster's inputs are primarily sports. That's why when Sunday morning comes and if it's NFL sportscaster, it's not hard for him to talk about football because all week he consumed football. It's not difficult, right? A meteorologist's inputs are primarily weather. That's what they do from sun up to sundown. They're looking at weather. They're di- dissecting weather. They're looking at weather patterns, which is why when it's time to report the weather, it's easy to do because their inputs are weather, so their outputs are weather. It's no different from a motivational speaker. The inputs are primarily motivational. And so as a result, the outputs are primarily motivational. I couldn't do this work. I couldn't do this show if I didn't take time to basically make sure that I have inspirational inputs and real talk. What happens sometimes is I get busy, I'm, I'm caught up in life, I'm working hard, life is happening, and I realize that, uh-oh, the inspirational tank is running on empty. Uh, it's time to write the blog or it's time to have the show, and I'm not sure what I'm going to say. So what do I do? Do I go watch a comedy or do I go read or review something inspirational? You pick. But the answer is in my output right? If my output is inspirational, then you know what I probably did. It's just that simple. And so the long and short of what I'm saying, and we're going to go into this a little more, is manage your inputs to control your outputs. Who are you? Like, who are you at the very core and essence of your being? And who do you want to be? And the gap in those two answers are a consequence of your inputs. If you want to be inspirational, but today you're not, it's because there's a gap in your inputs. It's, you know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to be inspirational. Any of us, all of us, I said this before, all of us have a seed of greatness. All of us have the capacity to do great things. And the only reason we're not putting out greatness is because we're not inputting greatness. Input greatness, output greatness. Input greatness, output greatness. It's that simple. But if you're consuming mediocrity, you're consuming things that aren't necessarily good for you, then mediocrity in, mediocrity out. It's really a basic concept. But I think that we don't necessarily think of it that way. We kind of just live life without really being intentional. And so as a, as a consequence, we end up at effect of our decisions, not really even realizing that we've made powerful decisions that are not producing power. And when I say powerful decisions, powerful decisions to sit down and watch TV all evening, none of which is growing you or teaching you to sit down and read maybe romantic, nasty novels. that, And then you wonder why I can't get into a, a loving and meaningful relationship, inputs, outputs, inputs, outputs. We are what we eat. So what inputs are you over-consuming other than food, right? Because typically when I say consumption or overconsumption, you think of food, but what I'm saying is it shows up a lot of different ways. What are you listening to? What are you watching? What media do you consume? Because it might be time to start, quote, unquote, eating better. Your inputs influence your outputs. And so maybe starting tonight, it's important for us to watch what we consume. To watch what we consume. Watch what you put in front of your eye. Watch what you put in your ears. And watch what you put into your mouth. It's about time. We start being intentional about our inputs so we can get the desired outputs. All right, I got Mary from the south side of Chicago. Mary, you're on the air with Lanelle Harris, an inspirational perspective.
2: Thank you so much for taking my call. That's great. I love your show. You Thank are you so, so inspirational and very inspiring. And I just wanted to add something to what you were saying, which I found it to be, and I just discovered it myself. And I am an elder. I had a chance to be around my relatives, and normally it's just a few at a time, but this was like about a hundred. And for the first time, I realized, as your looks is copied from your relatives, your eyes, your speech—while you talk fast—so is your tongue. I Mm -hmm. had a chance to just sit back. And observe and listen to the tongue of my relatives, and I used to wonder why my children had sharp tongues. And I've always and they said my tongue is disciplined because I've always made it a point to discipline. But I never knew that it needed to be until I was around my relatives, and I was totally taken back with that. Thank you again. I'm gonna I'm gonna get out the way and let you go do your thing. <laughs> I enjoyed <it> so much.
1: <laughs> thank you so much, and thanks for that reflection. That was thank you so much for that reflection. That was right on time. What Mary just shared actually is a wonderful segue into what I wanted to chat about next. And so she talked about, you know, inputs, outputs and and how relatives and, and she noticing her son or her children that this output is happening. And we take in inputs through our eyes, our nose, our mouth, our ears but what about the inputs from the energy created by our environments? And I think this is right on time with what Mary was sharing right there. That's a perfect phone call. Our environment, our environments, you know, so what about the energy created by our environment? So when we think about inputs, typically, I think we always, you know, we always get it into our heads that an input may be something that I see or something that I, 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 I hear. Or it may be something I can taste or eat with my mouth, right? And it goes into my body. But when was the last time you took inventory of your environment? And I'm going to break this down into a few ways. And I'm going to start with people because I think that's where Mary was going. Because our family, they're people, right? And they have an influence over us. Do the people you closely associate with, the places you frequently go, the space in which you live, or the work that you put your hands to complement your aspirations or your goals? Do they complement your potential? So let's take a look at people around you, okay? And this is what Mary was saying. and You know, thank God for family. Uh, you know, family is a wonderful thing. But at the same time, family can be challenging. I shared a quote on the inspirational mobile messaging early this week, and and the quote came from Napoleon Hill. And what the quote said, it actually came out Friday. And so if you're not enrolled, I don't know why, because it's some good stuff. But what Napoleon Hill said in the quote is, the number one reason people fail in life is because they listen to their friends, family, and neighbors. And so the people in your life have a huge influence on you simply by the environment that they create. There's a quote by Jim Rohn that I believe deserves some thought, and he says, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And so are you pulling up the average of your five closest acquaintances? And if so, how long will it be before they induce mediocrity on you or pull you down? You know, when you think about the five people that you spend the most time with, you know, I think it's uh, Earl Nightingale that says you can average out the incomes and more than likely that's your income. So, you know, the five people that you're rolling with, you average out the incomes. Are you the richest among them or the poorest among them? And if you're the poorest among them, good job, because more than likely you'll end up in the average area, which means you're going to be riding up. But if you're the richest among them, hmm, you might want to think really deeply about why you spend that time with them and where you plan on going because do those people necessarily create the road or or really provide a clear path to where your aspirations and dreams where you want to go and where you want to be that's the question when it comes to people so that's the first place to look when it comes to environment the second place to look when it comes to environment is places And I'm going to quote Napoleon Hill again. But in Napoleon Hill's book, Think and Grow Rich, which I've talked about a lot. And so all I'm saying is check it out. But in Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill states, we begin to see the importance of selecting our environment with the greatest of care because environment, is the mental feeding ground out of which the food that goes into our minds is extracted. I'm going to say that again. And quote, to begin, so quote, we begin to see the importance of selecting our environment with the greatest of care because environment is the mental feeding ground out of which the food that goes into our mind is extracted, end quote. That's how important your environment and the place you put yourself in is to your ability to move forward because it becomes the mental feeding ground by which the food that goes into your mind is extracted. The third is living space, all right? So I said places, but living space is different. What does your living space say about you? Does it say dirty? Does it say busy? Does it say dusty, sticky, nasty, or disorganized? Or does it say clean? Does it say efficient? Does it say effective, crisp, attractive, and organized? But whatever it says, more than likely, it's playing out in your appearance and behaviors outside of your home. Because it's difficult to live in a space and think that that space will not have an impact on you. I just mentioned Earl Nightingale a second ago, but there's a quote from Earl Nightingale that basically says, quote, our environment, the world in which we live and work is a mirror of our attitudes and expectations. So what does your living space say? That's an input. Believe it or not, that's an input. What about how you work or where you work? Albert Einstein posed the following question. If a cluttered desk is a sign of a cluttered mind, of what then is an empty desk? And I call this Einstein's riddle. (laughs) And his riddle may not always hold true, but it does have some relevance. I find it fascinating how many people believe they are just too busy to get organized And these same people always seem perplexed by the way success seems to elude them. And trouble is, they're too busy for success, too. I mean, do you follow what I'm saying? And I've worked with some really talented people, like in my career, in my experience, in different places, really talented people. But often they couldn't get any movement because they were too disorganized. And they always were like, oh, well, I'll get to that or or I'm going to do this. And they were too busy to get organized. And so these same people, because they were too busy to get organized, in my mind, they were too busy to be successful as well, because part of your success is being organized and thoughtful and intentional about how you spend your time and what it is that you're doing. So. The takeaway here is inputs, outputs, right? Another way to take stock of your inputs is to consider your environment. Ask yourself this question. Does my environment enable or inhibit me? And depending on the answer, do something about it. That's basically the long and short of that. All right. Tonight, I'm talking inputs, outputs, and I'm asking the three questions. What are your inputs? Do your inputs reflect what you desire? And do your inputs reflect the type of person you want to be? Now, to close out the show, I want to share, I call this this particular share uh, the mind's eye. Because if you study human anatomy, you already know that the eye gets a lot of credit it doesn't deserve. All right, so Linnell, what do you mean by that? We typically say, we see through our eyes when in essence, we really see through our brain. The eye only serves as a tool. And I think I've shared this before, but I think it's really important given the topic tonight that I shared again. The eye only serves as a tool to provide the reflective signal of the colors and shapes that the brain then interprets and assigns rational meaning. So another way to say this is. It is the brain that sees. The eyes only serve as the mirror. Now, I do believe we can all agree that the brain and the mind are synonymous. So since this is true, it will be correct to imply that instead of our eyes, it is our mind that does all the seeing, right? And... It is the same mind that does all the seeing that also does all the thinking, correct? Now, follow me here. I'm going to say it one more time, just in case you didn't get where I was going. So, it would be correct to imply that instead of the eyes, it is our mind that does all the seeing. And it is the same mind that does all the seeing that also does all the thinking. So, if this is so, I would have to deduct the following. A great deal of what we think about has to do with what our mind sees. Inputs, a great deal of what we feel has to do with what we think. Inputs, a great deal of what we do has to do with what we feel. And what we do has everything to do with who we are output our reality I'm gonna go through that one more time okay now what I was saying is that instead of the eye it is our mind that does the seeing and it's the same mind that does all the seeing that also does the thinking so if that's true then here's the deduction a great deal of what we think about has to do with what our mind sees Input. That's an input. A great deal of what we feel has to do with what we think. All right. Which is also created by our inputs. A great deal of what we do has to do with what we feel. Right. Which also came from an input somewhere. And what we do has everything to do with who we are. And so the summation of all of those inputs around us end up becoming the outputs that basically predict or tell others or create who we are, which is our reality. Now, this is how strong the mind is. And I'm sharing this because a lot of us aren't guarding our most valued asset. And so we sit in front of the TV and watch things without really thinking, what am I watching and what is this going to create as an output? We just say, oh, I just want to be entertained. I'm tired. But you're actually giving your greatest asset to someone else. And the reason they call television programming programming is because they are literally taking your mind that you freely gave and programming it to create outputs. And you gave it to them. And then we wonder why we can't get movement on our goals. What if you took that valuable time and you created your own inputs to create the outputs of the goals and aspirations and dreams that you have? Then maybe, then maybe you might actually see a shift in what it is that you're trying to do. Your state of being, your happiness, or your unhappiness is all a state of mind. Your ability to maintain either state has everything to do with your ability to control your mind. And we've all heard the old English proverb, the eyes are a window to the soul. You know, it's it's funny. A a while ago, I read a book, How to Influence People and Make Friends. And then there's another book that uh, the name of it was Get Anyone to Do Anything. And I know you're probably like, all right, why would you read that book? Well, why wouldn't I? You know, I, I was talking to my brother before and I told him, I said, there's some things you should read. So that way, you know, when somebody's trying to do it to you, <laughs> that doesn't mean you go out there and apply it. But at the very least, at least if you see that tactic being used on you, you can say, you know, ah, wait a second. This is I, I can recognize this, what you're trying to do here. Uh, That's manipulation or you're trying to, you know, create something or get me to do something that I don't want to do. And so it's important that you understand what you're working against out here. Anyway, I brought up those titles because. The eyes are the window to the soul. And. When it comes to the ability to influence others and, and create friends, one of the things that the book said is if you want to influence somebody, if you want to be accepted by them, then you gain eye contact and you force them to look you in your eye. And every time they look away, you keep your eye trained on them and you continue to look them into the eye. And there's something about that that one, makes them feel somewhat inferior and in some ways makes them feel like they owe you. That's how powerful the eye is. Me looking you in your eye And not looking away immediately has an impact. Yet we will look at the TV and not look away. It has the same impact. And I'm saying TV, but uh, you can go to the radio. And if it's not the radio, it could be anything else out here. It could be Facebook. It could be YouTube. It could be anything. But there is an impact. The eyes are the windows to the soul, old English proverb. And I'm going to take this one step further and say, the eyes are the door to the mind. If you want to gain or maintain control of your mind, be careful of what you let walk in and out of its front door. Inputs, outputs. Inputs, outputs. If you let things walk into the mind, through your eyes, through your ears, then do not be shocked when they walk out in <laughs> your actions and what you say and what you do don't be shocked because that really is the game here inputs outputs that really is the game and i i you know i've seen it in my own life i've seen it play out in other people i've seen it play out in people close to me you know we all have that song that gets stuck in our head why is it stuck in your head well because it got in your head where did it get in your head somewhere along the way there was an input it got in through the ears it got in through the eyes but that's why it's up there bouncing around if you want to control your mind control your inputs if you want to dictate your outputs your dreams your goals your aspirations control your inputs to get those outputs be intentional about your inputs so that way you can have intentional outputs
0: this episode of Inspirational Perspective was recorded at the Midway Broadcasting Corporation in Chicago Illinois on WVON 1690 AM The Talk of Chicago thank you for listening go to the Inspirational Perspective Facebook page and like the page follow Linnell Harris on social media at the handle Linnell Harris you can find him on Facebook Instagram and Twitter with that handle text inspired to 43783 to receive free inspirational quotes and updates.